Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash pro revenge video. We've got a lot of intense stories of pro revenge, and our first story is by Sida Majet. Using my parking space? All good, you'll be using it forever. So I'm living in Japan now, and here people ride bicycles a lot. You can't leave your bike anywhere, and you have to pay for parking between $1 and $2 per day. There are very few free parking areas for bicycles. Most people leave their bikes at the same place, so they pay monthly because it's cheaper and you have your own space. This started a couple of weeks ago. Someone in my building started having a guest who decided to steal my bicycle parking space whenever they came to visit. Sometimes they stayed the whole night so I had to go to the station, pay $1 and come all the way home walking, which meant that I would need to walk to the station the next day, getting up earlier, walking like 20 minutes to the station while carrying my heavy bag. All the bicycle spaces have a number, which means they're reserved for someone. Mine is 105, but this jerk decided to take mine whenever they came to visit. The second time this happened, I told the building manager, but they didn't do anything. The third time I saw the bicycle there, it was the same red expensive bicycle. I left a note in Japanese saying, please don't leave your bicycle here, this is my space and I'm using it every day. I found the note taped with the tape I used to tape it on their bike to my parking space, and it had a couple of bad words in Japanese at the end. Basically, he was not only stealing my space, but making fun of me by insulting me. Fine, it's just fine. I probably wouldn't have done anything about it if he hadn't written those words. This triggered me and got the worst in me. The person did it a couple of more times, so I knew this would continue. I was thinking about buying another bicycle, a better, more expensive one I could use to go on cycling trips, so a good chain and lock was needed anyway. I bought one of the thickest they had at the store and decided to try its efficiency. I locked his bicycle the next time I saw it there. It hasn't moved for the last seven days. There were two notes, the first one a very aggressive one with more bad words and threats about going to the police, which I don't care, let's go that way buddy. Second note days later was an apology and they begged for me to unlock the bike because they tried to break it but they couldn't. I guess he's learned his lesson. I'm pretty sure he won't do it again, but I just want to enjoy this feeling of victory a couple of days more. I'll free it in two to three days, I guess. Considering this spot is literally assigned to OP, do you think that they're in the wrong for locking that bike up? Do you think in the greater scheme of things if they went to the police, if they went to the building owner, that OP should get in trouble for that? Let me know what you guys think in the comments down below. Our next story is by Kibu Fox. Cancel a land lease and hope to make a windfall? Hope you like a lot of dirt. Let me preface this by noting that this revenge was not my doing. At least, not exactly. It happened back in the 90s when I was in high school and centered around the type of school I attended. So in case you weren't aware, it's very common in agricultural communities to have what are known as farmer schools. That's not a technical term, but more just something easy to define them. 
The schools are generally organized by the local farmers, and while you still study the various courses needed to get into college, you also studied farming technology courses and get credit hours for work study, i.e. working on one or more farms. The area I lived in was surrounded by a number of large farms which grew cotton primarily, so during the year, we'd spend time out in the field both tilling, planting, and harvesting. One of the farms near the school was this thousand-acre spread that, like the others, grew mostly cotton, though sometimes they rotated to soybeans or silage, basically corn, but you don't harvest it. This farm had a long partnership with the school, so the students provided near-free labor for the farmer. The farmer leased this property from some out-of-state owner and paid them a portion of the revenue from the harvest. Imagine my surprise then when I and many of my classmates arrived at the farm to do our work study and the farmer instructed some to crew the sprayers and start spraying herbicide on the fields, while others, myself included, were to take tractors and discs and plow everything under. The farmer wanted every square inch of the fields returned to just dirt. We were shocked to say the least, but after some discussion, we set to work. It took us the better part of a weekend to do so, and when we were done, the field was in a beautiful, if barren, state. The farmer thanked each of us personally and paid us about $500 each, quite the sum for a 90s high school senior. We returned to the school, told our headmaster that the contract was completed, and he informed us that the farmer would no longer be working with the school and we'd be sent to one of the other larger farms for the rest of the year and our work study. It was probably two or three months later before word started going around about why we'd been instructed to destroy the crop. Granted, these were just rumors, but based on how things turned out for the farmer, I suspect there's some truth to it. So, apparently, the landowner had decided that he was not going to renew the lease the farmer had on the land. The lease renewal just so happened to fall a few weeks before harvest season would start. Given that the average cotton farm earns about $1,500 per acre, a 1,000-acre farm would easily net the owner $1.5 million, about $500,000 of that being pure profit. I don't know what the farmer's lease was, but it stands to reason that it wasn't anywhere near that. So this landowner had figured out a neat little trick let the farmer get a good crop planted and then refuse to renew the lease. The farmer would leave the plants in the field and the landowner would just need to pay some contractors to come harvest it and they'd earn a profit. Since at the time the farmer's lease wasn't up yet, he decided to prevent that from happening. His act of revenge against the owner was to prevent them from cashing in on their hard work. Sure, it destroyed his farm and he had to sell off most everything he owned to buy some property for himself, but he'd proved a point. The owner did try to sue the farmer, though he, the owner, really didn't have a leg to stand on, or so I was told. I think the court ruled that since the farmer was still under the lease when they had the land tilled under, then it was his property to do with as he wished, and thus, the landowner couldn't tell him what to do with his property. I learned a rather valuable lesson from that man, beyond what I learned about farming. The lesson was, never, ever cross someone with nothing to lose. You definitely look at that contract and you walk away thinking they definitely planned it to be a very specific time frame where if you're not going to renew it or they won't let you renew it, they're going to try to capitalize upon you. So really, it is no surprise that when left with the realization that there's no way they can profit over the current situation and they're either going to just hand this over and let this dude make an easy $1 million plus dollar profit 
or burn it all to the ground and let them get nothing, and in return you get nothing either way, it's a pretty clear choice. This next story is by Ebola Rama Schwartz. Funeral home exec accuses my grieving family of a crime, so I go scorched earth. So, my mother-in-law passed away a few weeks ago, and my wife and sister-in-law and I went to the funeral home to make mother-in-law's final arrangements. She wanted to be cremated and scattered, so we weren't exactly paying an arm and a leg, but the cost was a chunk of our monthly budget, $1,200. The funeral home agrees to let us pay $900 up front, and $300 when we picked mother-in-law's ashes up in a few days. So that's all well and good, right? No problem so far. We're walking out of the funeral home, having just given them $900, and we're on our way to our car. My wife and her sister are talking about how weird the parking lot is, it is, and my sister and niece are sitting in their SUV, which was parked two spaces away from our car, waiting for us. Suddenly a wild jerk appears. This wild jerk works for the funeral home, and judging by his age and manner of dress, one could reasonably gather that he's higher up in this family-owned business. This will be important later. While Jerk walks towards us saying narratum verbatim, What are you doing here? This is private property and you are trespassing. I whip around instantly on the defensive. I'm no fighter, but I'll go rounds for my family. The rest of the conversation went something like this. I calmly said, We just had an appointment and we're returning to our car. The wild Jerk aggressively says, Well, this is private property. You aren't allowed to be here. Me, still calm, said, Like I said, we just had an appointment. He says, I don't care, you can't park here, you're trespassing and I'm going to call the police. Me having lost my crap said, we just had an appointment in your business. Points at my wife and sister-in-law, their mother just died. You work here, points at building we all literally just walked out of, right? The wild jerk suddenly backpedaling said, oh, yeah, we had some kids out here harassing one of our secretaries a bit ago, so I'm just being vigilant. You understand, right? Plus, I came out here to get something for my car. Me understanding said, so the secretary's out here right now? They say, well, no. I say, well, then what were you looking out for? And why were you so close to the door that you could just run out instantly? My sister's sitting right over there. Why didn't you approach her? The wild jerk stammers, sputters, turns to run back inside. I say, where are you going? Your parking lot's full of dangerous criminals, and I thought you had to get something out of your car. The wild jerk speed walking away said, you should have parked in the other parking lot. At this point, I'm half tempted to follow him and take this inside, because this dude just accused us of a crime. My wife lit me a cigarette and talked me out of it, but I guarantee you that I stood in that parking lot and smoked the whole thing while glaring up at the office I clearly saw jerk walk into. Sure, I was staring at the back of his head, but somehow I think he could feel it. So anyway, we finish our smokes, drop sister-in-law off, and my wife and I head home. I immediately get on Facebook and recant the entire experience, tagging them multiple times in the process. Other people start chiming in, either sharing crap experiences or commenting and tagging them as well. After about 30 tags on the same post, I issued an ultimatum. You have one hour to contact me, or I copy pasta this to every review site I can find. 20 minutes later, my awesome wife receives a phone call from a number we don't recognize. Of course, 90% of these are spam calls, but I smile and for once say she should take the call. On the other end was random butt woman, who shall be referred to as raw, at least for the moment. The succinct version of the resulting conversation went pretty much like this. My wife said hello, 
The random woman said, Hi, is this OP? She says, No, this is his wife. Who's this? She says, This is Karen. Yes, really. From Funeral Home. Is he there by chance? Me, able to hear my wife's phone, said, Heck yes, I'm here. Put her on speaker, please. My wife said, Babe, please be nice. I say, I'll try. Hi, Karen, what's up? Karen says, Hey, we couldn't help but see your post, and we just wanted to call and say how sorry we are about the misunderstanding. I say, What misunderstanding? Your employee accused us of a crime after we literally just handed him $900 for my wife's mother's final arrangements. Tell me what was misunderstood. Karen says, well, you see, he then tells the secretary story, then says, so he was just looking out. I say, for criminals. Karen says, well, no. I say, then why did he accuse us of a crime? Karen says, what? I say, he said, you are trespassing. If that isn't a crime, then why did he approach us? On that note, why didn't he approach my sister and niece who were in the parking lot waiting for us? Karen said, um, this is all news to me. Me, somehow unsurprised, said, somehow, I'm not surprised. Where is this guy, by the way? Karen says he went home for the day. I say, conveniently, before you called me? Karen is silent. I say, so why exactly did you call? There's nothing that can be done to erase the experience of being accused of a crime as you're leaving the funeral home after making your mother's final arrangements. Cue a bunch of groveling and apologizing for someone else that ultimately ends in, we will refund your $900 and throw in a $500 urn for free if you take the post down. Please, we've had enough bad press. I say, has anyone ever wondered why that is? Karen breaking character sighs and says, I don't freaking know, you have to understand that, I say I don't have to understand crap, this is my first, last, and only interaction with your business. You're 0 for 1 and have absolutely no chance of changing that. I'll remove the post for $900, but you realize you can't stop me from speaking, right? Karen says, please don't. My wife glaring at me said, babe, and I to both said, okay fine, I'll remove the post for $900. Karen said, thank you. I said, I'll be in to pick it back up in an hour. Karen says, it's already been intaken, so we'll have to issue a check. I say, that's fine. I'll be in to pick it up in an hour. Karen says, it has to be sent from our home office, so it'll be a week or so. I say, okay, cool. So I'll take the post down in a week or so. Karen nervously said, please hold. After five minutes on hold, I was in the car on my way to pick up $900 in cash and the remaining $300 waived. Guess it hadn't been intaken very far. When my wife went back to pick up mother-in-law four days later, I wasn't allowed to come with. Dude was still working there. Apparently he was in his office, but she could hear him, so I'm assuming he was one of the higher-ups. Probably family. I can't imagine anyone else lasting long in that kind of a job with that kind of demeanor. My wife thinks I took it too far. I think I did exactly the right thing considering the circumstances. It's not like I asked for the money back, it's just what they offered me. My wife doesn't think I should have made the post in the first place, but I'm not about to let someone treat my family that way and get away with it. That's not a moment that can ever be erased, and I think that making them acutely aware of that fact was an important point to make. Do you guys think that what OP did here was more than fair considering the circumstances? Let me know what you guys think in the comments. And also, if you're enjoying these stories, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily uploads. They're chocked full of awesome stories like our next one from Starlord215, 
cheat on me, I will destroy your cushy life. Before I get into the revenge, let me preface it by saying this. The third party involved and I are still friends and still talk to this day. This happened a little over a decade ago and I had the perfect life. Great house, great husband, great car, great job, the American dream. Soon, that dream turned into a nightmare when I discovered my husband was cheating on me. It started small, basically the typical signs, coming home late, ignoring attempts to get intimate, making excuses, etc. Then one day, I had a notion to go through his phone. Huge mistake on my part. Not only was my husband cheating on me, but he was doing so with a guy. I'm okay with the LGBT community, and I don't have a problem with my husband wanting to explore other sides. The problem is that he didn't have the, ahem, to tell me what he was doing. I had located the other guy, and we became fast friends. I found out via the guy that my husband had a grinder, gay dating app, and had hooked up with more guys. Together, the other guy and I came up with a plan. He had tricked my husband to agree to a hotel room that night for some alone time. In the process, he had gathered some very incriminating evidence of my husband's, what's the word for not being faithful? And thanks to my father, I had a prenup that terminated marriage if said lack of faithfulness had evidence. My doofus ex-husband showed up while I was hiding in the bathroom. The other guy was playing his part well, telling my dope that he was going to the bathroom to freshen up. That's when I came out with the evidence and the prenup the section highlighted in the contract. I told him I was getting everything, and he was done for. He bolted. The fallout, when I took him to court for the divorce hearings, I'd requested that I got the house and his car, since it was in my name. Thanks to Daddy Dearest, I was the primary breadwinner of our family, so I got what I wanted and got to keep my assets. He lost everything but his crappy Nissan and his clothes. He had tried going back to the other guy, now my good friend, but that didn't work. In the end, my ex had to move back in with his parents and I think he's working at Target, last I heard. I don't care. Heck hath no fury like a Latina scorned. I think the word OP was looking for was infidelity, and I would agree that it's an incredible shame finding out that your partner's cheating with you, regardless of who, just in general. For those of you that aren't married, would you guys ever consider signing a prenup? Personally, I get the reasons why you would, but I feel like how do you communicate that desire with your partner and not have it turn into some, like, greater issue with just a lack of trust? Let me know what you guys think. This next story is by Reddit. Be careful when starting a war that there's nothing to hide. I sent my trespassing neighbors a cease and desist as they cut down trees on my property. She responded by sending me a letter from her lawyer, making up a big fat lie about me saying a bunch of foul language in front of her small child. It was her way of saying, if you take me to court, I'm going to attempt to damage your reputation with lies as I work for a school. Her husband's running a business out of their home, has bought a vehicle exclusively for it, quit his real job and hired two people. Another neighbor told me this is all under the table to avoid paying taxes on the income the last three years, so I sent an anonymous tip to the IRS. Enjoy being audited, witch. Although what OP did here is pretty good, I wish that like they almost went ahead and took it to court both for slander and also for cutting down trees that they had no right to. Tree law's a real thing. I've read some pro-revenge stories about tree law that have been very, very expensive. Our next story is by Lyrical Lotus. 
My best friend in high school made my life a living heck, so I sent an anonymous message to her religious parents that she was hooking up unprotected with her boyfriend. I had this best friend growing up who I'll call Abby. She was the quintessential mean girl. My best friend one day and my worst enemy the next. She'd go a day or more without talking to me, deliberately leaving me out and saying cruel things about me with an earshot. She'd tell others, including a really mean girl in our grade who was mean to everyone, things I told her in confidence. She'd make fun of me and say loudly and often that I should just unalive myself. She'd tell everyone that I was a who-are, spread rumors that I had STDs, for the record I didn't, and that I'd be most likely to be a teen mom and sleep around for money. Abby would also say these types of things about other girls in our grade, even if all they did was look at a guy. Then the next day or so later, Abby would act like everything was fine. When I would ask her what was wrong, if I had done anything, etc., she'd reply with a blank look and a, I don't know what you're talking about. This went on for years. One day I had had enough and sent an anonymous message to her parents saying that she was hooking up frequently and unprotected with her boyfriend. This was something Abby would talk about often while laughing at how her parents had no idea that she was staying with them instead of at a friend's house and how her parents gave her so much freedom because they trusted her and deemed her a good innocent Christian girl. To be clear, I had no issue with her hooking up with her boyfriend. What I did have an issue with was how she'd treat me when I confided to her what I'd done with my then boyfriend. She'd call me a who-are, tell me I'm going to heck and that I was a hypocrite since I volunteered with kids, and that if anyone knew of my tainted body, then my reputation would be tarnished and no one would ever want me. Anyway, Abby's parents received the message and cracked down on her. For the rest of high school, she had all of her privileges taken away. She was only allowed to go to church, school, and home, and was only allowed around her boyfriend at her house with constant parental supervision. Abby was angry, humiliated, and devastated, but had no idea who had told her parents. Looking back, I don't regret what I did. I was young, upset, and acted out of impulse. Not my finest hour, but I'd be lying if I said the fallout wasn't satisfying. I ended our friendship towards the end of high school and never told Abby it was me. If she ever suspected, she never said anything. Overall, there's really not any issue with the Christian views, it's just how much of a hypocrite this person's being, and really how much of a jerk they're being too. Like, I think you can really, really have these very religious views on what you can and can't do with people before marriage and whatnot, and not be a jerk about it. You don't have to shame people, you don't have to make them feel bad. You don't have to try to go around and disgrace them. And frankly, if you want people to convert and believe in the same things you do, you're not going to convince them by bullying them too. How often do you think somebody who gets told they're tainted and have baseless rumors against them that they have STDs and being told they turn into a teen mom and sleep for money would then turn around and be like, you know what, that does make me want to try religion. The real answer here is Abby's just a witch and wants to make people feel like crap because they're projecting. This next story is from DITA7503. Concerned about my shoe selection? I'll pick something beautiful for your wedding. When my sister got married many moons ago, she asked if I would be able to come to her wedding. I live in the other side of the country and if I would be her maid of honor. I gladly accepted, even though we both knew I wouldn't be able to be part of many of the events leading up to the big day. My aunt was making our dresses, so she wasn't worried about that but almost right away she started going on about how I needed to find nice shoes for her wedding. 
to the point where every time we talked, she would mention them. Then she started sending messages via other family members to carefully consider shoe styles and find something nice for her wedding. Something you should know about me, I love shoes. When my now husband and I moved in together, I got rid of over half my collection, and I still had over 40 pairs. I couldn't have pulled a suitable dress out of my closet, but man, shoes I've got. A few weeks before the wedding, I'm wandering through the mart of walls and I notice a pair of Lucite stripper shoes. Not with a huge platform, but 5 inch heels. I found a picture but it won't let me attach it. I try them on and as I started walking, they started flashing like those kids shoes. I told my mother and aunt what I was up to, packed my bags and flew home for the wedding. I arrived early the day before the wedding, just in time for the rehearsal dinner but not with a lot of time for anything else. The day of, we went and got our hair and makeup done, then came home to get dressed. I put on my dress and my flashy shoes, and my sister calls from downstairs that we have to go. So I start down the carpeted stairs. I can tell the second my sister sees the shoes. There was an eye roll and a brief moment of silence. Then I hit the hardwood. Flash, 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 flash. And she starts losing her crap. Are you kidding me? You had one job! Mom and aunt start saying that they're not that bad, and one of the colors that they flash is her wedding color. We only let her stew for maybe a minute more before the bunch of us couldn't help but laugh. I told her it was a joke and ran back upstairs to grab the six pairs of shoes I'd brought for her to choose from. She asked me to wear the flashy ones at the reception once the dancing started. I mean, to be fair, there are a few things you could wear to a wedding that are just a little too ridiculous, and wearing flashing high heels, probably a bit much. But it's nice to see that it all just turned into one big laugh, and the bride even got in on it by telling OP to wear it during the reception. And our final story of the day is by Fuller House 2016. My old boss publicly berated and embarrassed me over my wedding, so I slowly ran her company into the ground. I've been working as a housekeeper for about 8 years now, and I'm darn good at my job. Most of my clients have been working with me for several years. They love me and view me as family. I make more money hourly than most healthcare professionals minus doctors. I take pride in my work, and I also don't tolerate disrespect from anyone I clean for or work under because I know my worth. I scrub your literal poop. Treat me nice or I'll bite. Several years ago, I used to have this awful boss. His name was Kevin. Kevin owned an upscale cleaning service, whatever the heck that is. We had tons of Karens as clients. I think it may have even been a requirement to be a client. Anyway, to Kevin, upscale equals perfect, period. We as a company, Kevin the manager, Lisa the assistant manager, me the employee, and several other girls that were employees as well, communicated with one another through a voice chat app called Voxer. We had a group chat that included everyone, and we also had private chats with the managers, our cleaning partners, etc. Kevin would use the group chat to make announcements, changes in plans, etc. But they also used it a lot to publicly read good reviews that we would receive from clients. For an example, an email that says, So-and-so did a wonderful job today, please assign her as my regular housekeeper. Or, I love how sparkling everything is, props to so-and-so. It definitely boosted morale and encouraged other housekeepers to do better because they wanted recognition as well. However, the morale boost was constantly overshadowed by her complaints and her demands for perfect little robot housekeepers. Instead of reading negative reviews to the group chat, she would either message the housekeeper in question privately 
or vaguely mention it in the group chat with no names like, hey guys, make sure we hit those baseboards every time we clean. I'm tired of hearing about that from our clients. Reasonable, but she was always super rude and snotty about it and her criticism was not at all constructive. About 8 months into my employment with her, I was her favorite, you'll see that it was conditional, I never said no, and was always available for emergencies. I have thick skin, so I just let her crappiness roll off my back because I was being paid what I was worth, which is hard to come by in this industry. The other girls though? That was a revolving door. I was holding your company together by being the de facto manager for the other girls when they didn't want to poke the dragon and by convincing them to stay longer than they admittedly should have. At this time, I was also about to get married. Kevin knew about this in advance and even helped offer input on the wedding planning. They knew the date, the time, and exactly how many and which days I wouldn't be working. The week of the wedding rolled around and we had two employees quit. Things went crazy obviously, but I picked up a house the morning I was getting my nails done, two days before the wedding, a day that I had taken off of work, to help out because she was desperate, but she lied to me about the condition of the house. She said that it was a rental that hadn't been used since the last cleaning, so it just needed a touch-up, three hours max. In reality, it was fully used and trashed. I messaged her in a private voice chat telling her that she could either send two people to help me or I'd have to leave as I didn't have time for a full clean and that would have taken at least 8 hours. I didn't even mention being angry that she lied, just that it needed to be figured out ASAP. What does Kevin do? She switches over to the group voice chat and proceeds to go the freak off, addressing me directly but never saying a name and talking about a wedding and like, we know that's me. She says something along the lines of, I understand that you're getting married and all, but I have a business to run to support my family. Grow the freak up and do your job. There was more and it was nasty, but alright, bet. Activate revenge slash malicious compliance. I rescheduled my nail appointment for 8pm. Luckily my salon stays open till 9. I finished the nasty house, I had my wedding, and it was great. We didn't immediately go on our honeymoon, so I got to work on destroying this woman's business and went back to work the following Monday. I saw all my regular clients, but I just forgot stuff all the time. Super weird. I also kept forgetting to keep those other girls from leaving. A shame. Kevin would post on Facebook looking for employees. I'd forget to mind my own business and private message every single person that commented interested and tell them what kind of boss she was. My brain really must have been on the fritz. Of course eventually, with one employee left, me, you're forced to drop clients. Then one day, I forgot I had a job. I also forgot to call and tell anyone that I wasn't coming. For four days straight. A week later, the cleaning service was nowhere to be found anywhere on the internet. Shortly after, she attempted to make and sell, admittedly beautiful, rustic farmhouse, upscale baked goods, cakes, etc. She was trying to sell on Facebook and was swiftly shot down by other users for not having any type of license or inspections to sell food. Not sure what she's doing now, but her Facebook profile has her occupation listed as housewife. Sorry Kevin, not really, not at all. More than anything, the moral of this story is just treat the people that work for you well. Whether you're a client that has people coming in to do the work, or the business itself that have the people graciously doing that work, 
especially the people who work in custodial, laundry, cleaning, anything like that. It's no luxury to be working in a place like that, so bless anybody that works those kinds of jobs. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. So of all these stories I've read today, which is your favorite and why? Let me know in the comments down below. And if you haven't yet, if you could like and subscribe, that would mean a lot to me. Whatever you do, whether it's liking, subscribing, turning notifications on, all of it helps grow this channel and I appreciate the heck out of it. So until next time, I'll see you all tomorrow with some more stories. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.